Birds off, and we are good. To, good morning, everyone. It is Triumph Tuesday, uh, the second. Uh, you know, we're into the official second month of 2023. We are so excited. We've got our first guest of 2023, but we're going to actually chat because what we're going to chat about what she's going to share with us has to do with some triumphing over down there. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but good morning. It's Carol Sue, a.k.a. Nani Boss Live with two. This good morning, everyone. This is Janice, a.k.a. Wellness Diva 5.0. And yes, of course, um, 2023, we're in our second week and we are so excited because we have our first guest on and I'm not going to waste any more time. I want to introduce to this two sisters family and welcome the amazing Antonella Duell. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Welcome Absolutely. to me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Great pronunciation. So I know, um, for instance, that you coach specifically women uh, as it relates to IBS issues um, and the gut imbalances, but I really, really believe you know, perhaps we should start at the beginning because we've all heard of IBS. Some of us may even have it. And what I didn't realize is that there is a disorder and, but there's also a disease. So can you educate not only myself, but perhaps someone listening or who may be viewing this video? Absolutely. That's a really great place to start because um, um, IBS uh, can uh, easily be confused with IBD. The acronyms are so close to each other. Uh, so it, it, it's great to really make that distinction. Um, so whereas IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease, um, it's really a disease of the gut where you can see some physiological changes. You can see inflammation and damage to the gut after doing blood tests and, and perhaps uh, some scoping. IBS is really... Um, it's called a disorder of the gut-brain interaction of the brain axis. Uh, so whereas there may not be anything that looks wrong with the gut after all of these investigations, the gut is just not functioning the way it should. And so people experience um, symptoms like bloating after a big meal or um excess sensation of trapped gas after eating certain foods. Uh, or changes in their motility and uh, where the bowels could be moving a little bit too fast or too slow. Um, and uh, uh, perhaps even some abdominal pain or, or cramps. Um, so whereas it's a, considered a chronic condition that cannot be cured, it can really be managed and the symptoms can be managed to the point where uh, they no longer fit the criteria of being classified as IBS. So that's a silver lining. So, so my question would be, because obviously I think a lot of people, at least from my perspective, because I do know quite a few people that suffer that, what would be like the, the thing that, or the major, like, I don't know if there's a number one, two, three causes of mm -hmm. someone, uh, because I don't know, are you born with it or, or there's, there's some uh, outside forces that we can really connect the dots to why someone would get it? Yeah, absolutely. Very to, to kind of to prevent them from like, okay, <laughs> might be happening, don't do it. So you won't get it. 
Very good question. So it, it's still a bit of a big mystery as to what really causes IBS, but research has identified some potential causes. So there's definitely a genetic component. It does tend to run in the families, uh, um, but um, there may be other factors such as, for example, a bout of gastroenteritis. Um, for many people, that, that's the, one of the more obvious causes. Uh, so whereas most of us will recover fully after a day or two, some people don't fully recover and experience these symptoms uh, you know, long-term. Um, there's uh, some, uh, um, another potential cause is some imbalance in the gut bacteria. Um, so, um, People with IBS tend to have a different makeup of bacteria, so to speak, uh, than people who don't have IBS. So that's that's thought to be one of the potential causes. Uh, and there is what's called visceral hypersensitivity. So simply put, you know, the gut of people with IBS are overly sensitive. So some uh, normal things like just eating a much bigger meal than usual or eating some gassy vegetables can lead to and trigger these these painful and life disrupting uh, symptoms um, so then it would be obviously uh, really advantageous of somebody you know and, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like giggling about the the topic not that that's believe me it's not a funny topic people but somehow two sisters always talks about the shitter I, i'm gonna go ahead and just <laughs> Because we, we we do do that, but you know that it seems like there there are probably triggers, and you would think some of those triggers, obviously, you're saying food, but you know we also often talk about uh, the bacteria in the gut, and a lot of people don't realize that we also have good bacteria in the gut, and to me it would seem to be like because you just mentioned that maybe there could be because there's an imbalance, meaning that there's more bad bacteria versus versus the good to kind of combat that. Yes, or simply just a different makeup. You know, the the you know microbiome research is still really at its infancy at the beginning. So there is a lot we still don't understand. So we can't right. pinpoint exactly what what our gut microbiome should look like. But mm -hmm. there just seems to be a, a difference. Uh, absolutely. Wow, and you know, which leads me kind of the to a question. Well, I have a lot of questions that are popping in my head right now. So obviously we know there's the good bacteria, the bad bacteria. I would assume, but I don't want to assume, but I would assume that if you're eating those or consuming those foods or maybe even liquids that kind of trigger all that to happen, do some of your clients like finally realize that like, for instance, that maybe um, maybe they shouldn't have it, it. People call Tuesdays Taco Tuesdays. Maybe they shouldn't have that taco because as soon as they eat it, everything starts to disrupt disrupt in their their gut brain, like a volcano. Yeah, yeah. So that that points to um, you know the, the larger destruction of of um, what is really triggering your IBS, and that's really different for every person. Um, 
there are these, you know, major factors, like most people will point to food, certain foods, or diet in general as their major trigger. But it's also important to know that that's not the only trigger. Um, right. Stress is another big one. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, other aspects of lifestyle, exercise, you know, whether, you know, or lack of thereof, or what kind of exercise, uh, whether you sleep enough, whether you have enough qu good quality sleep. But going back to your, you know, taco example, it is important for people to really figure out which foods are triggering their IBS because there are no two people who are triggered by the same foods. So, uh, and and this is really and an very, very individual, you know, kind of discovery process. And uh, um, so that, you know, once you know, you also know which foods you need to reduce, if not eliminate. Uh, many times it's really just a matter of portion sizes. It's not like, you need to completely avoid certain foods for the rest of your life, but you understand how much you can have of certain foods without triggering the symptoms so that you can ultimately, you know, have a, a very balanced diet with a lot of variety of foods that ultimately will, you know, make your gut healthier. Now, is there a certain is there a certain food? I mean, because we obviously know that, yeah, there, there are certain people that are triggered by certain uh, I would, you know, gassy, there's a lot of gassy vegetables, uh, gassy spices, you know, there are even some, some meats people can't, but is there a food group and or a food that you would recommend that say maybe to help calm um, that gut from, from doing that? If in fact, that's, you know, maybe the main factor for some, like you said, stress, you, you, you throw out so many great things that people probably wouldn't even associate would be associated with, I mean, who I would never think stress would have anything to do with IBS, um, but that, that that's a great point. Is there a food specifically that you say, ah, as I know, like uh, specifically with, if you're having a, you're in urinary tract infection, whatever, they say cranberry juice, uh, you know, there's certain things. So would, would there be any food that would kind of calm that colon a little bit? I think I'd like to bring back first the idea of the trigger foods so okay. uh, it's really important to figure out there isn't really I mean there are many foods that can calm the gut and we can talk about those sure. uh, but uh, what is important for every person with IBS to figure out which foods are triggering the symptoms um, and there are you know research are really um identify some classes of foods rather than individual foods, uh, but classes of foods that really are responsible for triggering the symptoms. And uh, you and maybe your listener may or may have not heard of the research done by Monash University in Australia years ago that's been then replicated all over the world basically that identified um, uh, some groups of food that they they coined this term FODMAP to identify, which is an acronym. And it stands for, it's quite of a mouthful, fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. Um, but what they are is basically- uh, I know. <laughs> it took me a while to actually get that rolling off my tongue. <laughs> God bless you, that, was, that's a, that is a mouthful. 
but it's simply put, it's just a group of uh, sugars and fibers uh, that are really rapidly fermented by the gut. Uh, and uh, by doing so, they, they, they trigger the, the tension of the gut, the sensation of bloating, of trap gas, and this, uh, um, you know, gut motility changes. And... Uh, um, yeah, this research was pivotal, really, in in, in figuring out uh, these these potential triggers, and uh, um, what they did is that that they really uh, came up with the protocol that really helps people with IBS figure out their individual foods trigger foods. Um, so I'll give you some example. Uh, some of these complicated sugars and fibers are simply things like fructose in many fruits, mm, so vegetables, yeah. lactose in the milk, yogurt, and ice cream, uh, um, certain fibers uh, that are in certain beans and lentils uh, or vegetables uh, or grains like wheat and barley you know, uh, certain fruits like uh, um, peaches, apples, pears, mangoes, or vegetables like onions and garlic, uh, uh, asparagus, cauliflower. Um, so there is a lot of food. Yeah. The good news is that, you know, every not everybody is sensitive to all of them. In fact, right. every person can figure out, you know, there may be like just one of these groups, or maybe there's a couple of groups. And as I mentioned, they can identify how much they can have without, you know, triggering. Um, so the, por the portion amount is also key and really yeah. key. Now, why is it? Because did you say that mostly women get it and men don't? Why, why would that be? Yeah, that's actually, yeah, um, the the demographics of IBS is two out of three people with IBS is actually women. And wow. it's pretty prevalent, 10 to 15% of people in the U.S. suffer with this disorder. That's uh, two things, they don't get IBS and they don't get PMS. What is going on around here? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, I just want to take a sidebar for just a moment and welcome all of our listeners on the Wisdom Audio app. Thank you so much for being here. Antonella, what is, as you just mentioned, it seems like IBS is a, dis, a disorder mainly for women. What are some different tips that they can do um, would you maybe suggest uh, keeping a food journal or like how does all that start when somebody notices like hey something is not right here like your body's talking to you yeah yeah very very good question. A, second, a second part to that like when you're saying the journaling which is perfect is there like a like a, I don't want to say a, a specific time but when would someone because I'm wondering, you know, they may, when we're talking about journaling, they may not even associate that because maybe the reaction happens later. Does the reaction happen fairly instantly? No, no. Yeah. And, and, and it, it is quite, it's quite a, a process and it's not so easy to identify, um, um, you know, the, the triggers. Uh, um, but going back to Jenny's question, um, I think the first a first step of, of noticing, you know, uh, starting to keep a food journal, also a food and symptom journal. So noticing when the symptoms come about, that in 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 on of itself won't help you really 
figure out your trigger foods, but it can help you figure out some patterns so that then you can, you know, when you go to your doctor, you can, you know, have some data basically to present. There's really going to help them in, in, in helping you figure out whether it is IBS. Because if the very first step would really be talking to the doctor, um, uh, starting with a primary doctor, and they may refer you to a gastroenterologist for tests if necessarily, because uh, uh, the symptoms of IBS are actually really common symptoms to many other disorders like inflammatory bowel disease that we you know mentioned earlier there's only one way or a few ways that our gut talks to us right that it's through the symptoms the, the bloating the pain the uh, changes in bowel movements um, so it's important to really get a clear diagnosis because the diagnosis will inform the treatment um, and 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 then if it if it is IBS, you know there's different things that you can do, including some medical management. But especially, you know, lifestyle and dietary changes can help you in in figure out those trigger foods um, and and help you uh, reduce the symptoms. Now, okay. your question is that you know. You know, uh, when do the symptoms appear? Do they appear right away? I can actually figure out um, the research that I mentioned um, just earlier really um, outline a specific protocol that's, that's now really recommended by um, most gastroenterologists and um, gastroenterological associations for people to really reduce their symptoms, first of all, um, find relief, and then uh, uh, figure out their trigger foods. And it's, it's a very, I like to call this a detective work. It's, it's a process of elimination and reintroduction. Right. You really need to do with the, uh, someone who specializes in, in, you know, a dietitian who specializes in, in this protocol because it's, it's very, it's not very intuitive and it, it, it's really hard to do it on your own. But basically what you do is that you first reduce all of these foods that I had mentioned, you know, that go under that acronym that are potentially triggering um, the symptom. And what happens is for most people with IBS, they feel a lot better when they reduce this food. Now, the key is that this is just temporary because that's just the first step to identify the trigger foods, as I mentioned, not everybody's sensitive to all of this. So right. um, you shouldn't be eliminating all of these foods for long-term or God forbid for the rest of your life. They're very healthy foods. Um, so then you reintroduce each one of these groups uh, like the fructose or the lactose or the galacto oligosaccharide, the polyols, uh, one by one. So you, you, that's what allows you. And that's the time when you really keep a very good detailed journal um, of, of your symptoms. But because you're only reintroducing one of these foods at a time, then you can really identify it. And so at the end of this process, which is a bit of a long process, then you can reintroduce all of these foods that didn't really trigger your symptoms and only maybe reduce the quantities or perhaps in a few cases eliminate one or two foods. There really seem to be triggering those symptoms. And uh, you end up having a much more balanced, varied diet. And it's a lot easier also to 
eat with other people, right? Eat at, at family functions, dinners, uh, restaurants, uh, um, birthday parties, uh, and, uh, um, and and enjoy food and eat with confidence so that you, you know, you're not afraid of eating anymore because you're not afraid since you don't know you know, um, what is causing your symptoms, you know, you, you can eat with confidence knowing that uh, just avoiding or reducing certain foods, uh, you can remain symptom-free. And I think too, that, that mindset, you know, we know like even anyone that suffers allergies, and, and to me, this really sounds like an allergy to that gut uh, that is disturbing the whole process of, of digestion and, and giving you that pain, that you do have to also go through that same kind of process you know, introducing different things to kind of figure out, is that the one? And I think the key piece is we live in such a society that's, I got to know now, you know, I, I you know, I, I have to have an instant thing. And, and that I think is part of the mindset issue with like, you, you do have to take care uh, because it may be a food that you truly, truly absolutely enjoy the flavor, the taste, maybe the season of when it comes out. But at the same time, you got to come to terms with, well, gee, that may be something that is, is although it is yummy and it tastes good to go down, you know, my, my gut just doesn't like it. So I, I would imagine that there's also that kind of that mindset that goes in there that they got to understand that and take the time, the necessary time to be patient with your body. And like you said, you know, really calculate, um, I like the piece about the portion control because we 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 also live in a supersized world. We know that, which is not healthy and not good. And and uh, you know, a lot of times that is a great avenue that you can still enjoy that food group, but just a small amount. Absolutely, yes, yes. Unfortunately, there is no quick fix. You know, for this, it is it is a process, and it is a. a, 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 a series of changes in your diet and your lifestyle. Um, but um, it, it's very rewarding and very, um, you know, once you figure out which foods you are, are you know, you, you not only you feel a lot better, um, but, uh, you know, you sort of had this control over your body that before you didn't. You know, a lot of my clients uh, um, tell me that uh, they don't have confidence in their body because they they can't trust it basically you know the famous sentence trust your gut well don't tell that to somebody who put IBS because because they can but this process gives them that confidence of what foods they can eat so they don't end up you know unnecessarily restricting their diet or avoiding foods they don't need to avoid and going down that rabbit hole of more and more food restriction and also um even when they figure out, let's say, you know, I don't know, I'm, I can't tolerate too much fructose in one sitting, uh, that's not always forever. So one thing that we, we discovered by all of this research is that tolerance to these foods can change over time. So IBS is a chronic relapsed diseases. So it, it comes and goes and, and it, a lot of these factors like stress and other things can influence it. But as you start reintroducing more foods, you feed more you know, foods to your gut. That gut imbalance that we talked about could be changing. And we're starting to understand that that could also be 
um, a reason for you know the the changes in 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 the foods that you can tolerate. So I always tell my clients, okay, you figure out that maybe garlic doesn't agree with you that much. Maybe avoid it for a little bit, but then three or six months from now, try it again. You may be surprised and you may actually. So it's a constant, you know, discovery. And uh, it's, I say never say never. So um, you can always enjoy more and more foods. And which leads me to my next question. We all want to enjoy food. And by the way, my favorite F word is food. It <laughs> is for many people. What are some different ways that people can create a different type of gut pleasing, maybe recipes? Like maybe they have a favorite recipe that they can redesign or reconfigure? So there's no one answer to this question because again, it depends on your own personal tolerance. Uh, um, uh, so, um, it depends on the, you know, on the food group that you're intolerant to. So right. uh, the garlic, you can't replace garlic. Yeah, you know, actually, I was just thinking of that as an example because uh, love garlic. Uh, God help me. People love garlic, and they really, you know, um, are sad when they figure out that they may not be able to have as much uh, as they used to. Um, but. Uh, mm, you can use other things like garlic um, infused olive oil or other mm. oil um, that have been infused with garlic. Um, so with some of these foods, it's important not to have the solid part, but if you infuse it in oil, because these fibers uh, that I mentioned, these FAMAFs are not soluble in oil, you can still oh. have flavor. So for example, awesome. you could take a clove of garlic and you could saute in some oil then you remove it and then um you can still enjoy the flavor you know in whatever dish you're cooking with that oil without having um the components of the garlic that trigger your gut symptoms um, great idea great idea i mean and and that's a good thing is there's compromise it's a whole learning process it's really rediscovering maybe a new way like you said of cooking something and yeah. or you know, like if, if uh, onions is one of your things that, you know, and you like, say, you know, the feel of it or you know, even the raw onion, the crunch of it, you know, maybe uh, celery would be a good replacement. So, I mean, there's, there are, I think, are ways um, and it's really about kind of reinventing it almost to me, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of, an, of, a, of a new experience of like, I'm going to really try different things and see if I can come up with that same satisfaction of that, that flavor of that season, whatever it may be, but also being mindful, you know, we don't, who wants to put their gut through all that, like the pain, the bloating, the, like you said, the insecurity of a lifestyle going out to dinner or going over to friend's house and you got to, that is the most unpleasant experience. Like, okay, get me home, baby. I gotta go. I gotta run. And it, it does really impact someone's lifestyle, you know, when they're going out or, Visiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are very, you know, um, life disrupting symptoms. Uh, you know, um, I, I, I hear, you know, every day from my clients things like, you know, some people are afraid of leaving the house because they don't know where, you know, where they'll find 
the next bathroom, you know. So or they they won't go on a long car trip because they just, yes. just can't. They have to be near a bathroom at all times, uh, or they won't go to a birthday party because um they are not sure whether you know the food being served might trigger their symptoms and they have to just leave you know and uh, um it, it's really hard to you know navigate their restaurant aisles or um so it, it impacts uh, you know our social life uh, it impacts uh, um our work life you know having to just like stop what you're doing because you're you have you have to lie on the couch with a hot water bottle on your stomach, right. all those, those uh, cramps. And uh, um, um, yeah, and so the beauty of this process that I, I explain is that it really gives you that freedom. It um, helps you, you know, find relief from the symptoms and be in control of them. Now, how would our, our uh, listeners, viewers, how would they, do you have a Facebook group? Do you have a website? How would they, they reach out to you and kind of give you, do you have a form that they fill out, kind of giving you some, some indication of that they think they might have an issue? How would they reach you? Yeah, if they, if they want to reach me, I do have a website and uh, I have uh, um, a contact form there. Um, I, um, also, yeah, they can just, what I offer is like a complimentary 30-minute consultation so that we can have that first conversation right. and figure out whether, you know, um, that's the best course of action for them. Um, I also have a, a free resource that I offer, and you can easily download it from my website, where, you know, if, if, you, if you just want to, you know, you're now ready to really completely overall your diet going through this process. Uh, you know, there are uh, some things that you can do without, uh, um, you know, changing your diet uh, uh, to start helping decrease this, the bloating and maybe improve some of the symptoms that have to do a lot with how you eat, not necessarily what you eat. Uh, so that's something that that's uh, not talked about a lot, but it's important to do things like chewing your food well, eating, you know, not in a hurry or on the run, but taking the time to sit down and eat uh, um, with leisure. Um, and- uh, What about eating fast? Yeah, not, not eating fast because uh, yeah. uh, when you eat fast, you don't have, time to chew your food well and it's so important for proper digestion and and your digestion really starts in the mouth so um if you're digesting better you're also less likely to have uh, these symptoms uh, also you know if we're eating on the ground we're eating too fast uh, uh, we're operating from that fight or flight response that most of us in our busy our lives are operating from and for proper digestion, you need to be in your parasympathetic system. You need to be in the rest and digest mode. And uh, so just taking a break from work or whatever you're doing, sitting down, perhaps even going as far as uh, um, doing some deep breathing before eating, that really calms your mind, switches you from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic system and allows more blood to flow to your, your digestive system uh, and to really you know, improve the digestion of that meal. So yeah, there are a lot of 
things that we, you know, are not so used to think about um, because we go immediately, oh, I don't know, it was that ice cream that gave me the cramps or it was that taco that really, you know, sent me to the bathroom. But um, how we eat is also really important. I mean, that's great. I mean, and a lot of people don't. I mean, they forget like, you know, being around that dinner table, talking about the day, reconnecting with each other, you know, because we all live very busy, busy lifestyles. And we don't take that time and that whole concept of like really gathering around the table and breaking bread together, literally, um, it, you know, because everyone's scheduled. I got to get this kid to soccer. I got to go here for basketball. I got I a meeting. I got a Zoom, you know, whatever it may be. And we really, really need to understand the beauty of eating because uh, it's an art uh, and really enjoy the food, but enjoy the company. And maybe that would slow down. Last question I have, Jan, would be, to you about what would you say with all your clients and your, you know, your clients over, over the years, if there is one food, I mean, not, I'm not talking about a food group. I'm talking about one food that you say, wow, that, that one really hits home to a lot of people that suffer from IBS. What would that food be? Can you ask hard questions? <laughs> um, I will tell you what the research shows. The research shows that uh, um, there are two food groups that are the most likely to trigger the symptoms, uh, which are um, wheat and the garlic and onion kind of group. Oh. So, yeah. But then again, you know, I have plenty of clients who figure out and they were sure it was the garlic. And then they're so surprised to figure out they could actually eat the garlic and the onions. And maybe it was the group that has the cauliflower and mushrooms in it, you know. Because wow. the thing is that we we rarely eat food in isolation, right? We don't eat a clove of garlic by itself. Uh, we'll eat foods uh, that are prepared with garlic and they have, you know, you know, meals with multiple ingredients. So it's really hard to tease that apart. So it's common for people to, you know, blame one food or certain foods because they've never really done, gone through the process of isolating each food one or each group one at a time and figuring out what was the culprit, you know. Well, that's kind of good news though for a lot of people out there, don't you think, Jan? I mean, you know, here you might think it's one thing and it turns out that maybe it's either your portion control or maybe it actually was something else that was associated that it would say, no way, Jose, it's not that. Right, exactly. You know, think of me with, um, for instance, potato chips. Like if somebody told me I couldn't eat potato chips, not that I keep them in my house, but, you know, I have often said that I cannot be trusted around potato chips. You eat a bag of potato chips, you're going to get sick, right? So obviously I've made that association, but you know, there's always that, you know, the enjoyment factor. Um, we so appreciate your being here today as our first guest of 2023. And of course we will make sure that all your comfort, um, contact information is in the show notes. On that note, <laughs> excuse me, this is Triumph Tuesday. And what are you triumphing over? What is one thing that you can do for enjoyment and that maybe, since we're talking about food, tastes good. My name is Janice. And of course, we want to thank the amazing Antonella for being here today. Um, we hope that you will definitely consider coming back and visiting us again and continuing the conversation. 
I would love to. Thank you, Janice. Uh, it was a pleasure. You're so awesome. Welcome. And again, my name is Janice, aka Wellness Diva 5.0. I'm with two. Just as, and this is Carol, so AKA Nani Boss, I am going to be triumphing over a couple of things today. And we want you to know that when you're triumphing over something, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It'd be this small thing. It could be that you made your flipping bed today, right? Bravo, bravo to everyone who made their bed today. It's just about maybe uh, you had to renegotiate, renavigate, but you triumphed over it and you deserve that pat on the back. Uh, so we are so excited. Thank you so much. You gave so much information. Uh, I think I, I added so much value to so many people that do suffer from this. We encourage all our viewers, our listeners to please reach out. If you've got any questions, uh, she can guide you in the right direction for sure. We will see you tomorrow for Wealth Wellness Wednesday. Everyone have a great time Tuesday, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye for now.